You are the Lord. You're our God. You died in our place. And Lord, we praise you. We celebrate that that's not where the story ends. The story did not end in a tomb or in the grave, Lord, but you rose again and you are alive now. You're seated at the right hand of God. You're interceding for us on our behalf, Lord. We praise you. There's no other name but the name of Jesus. Let every tongue confess. Let every knee bow before the King of Kings today. You are worthy, Lord. May we fix our affections on you, fix our minds and our thoughts on you, Lord, and we just want to be changed. We want to sit in your presence and be transformed today. We ask all these things in the mighty, risen name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. A family was driving their kids to church on Easter Sunday morning, and the mom and dad was explaining to the kiddos about Easter. They were explaining about the cross, about the death, about the burial, and about the resurrection in some of the aspects. And uh, they shared the whole story. So that's why we're going to church today. It's a very important day, and we celebrate that Jesus is alive. And the three-year-old pipes up and says, is he going to be at church today? So I guess we're going to see if Jesus is at church today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 20. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you when you received it, when you stand, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And so he's reminding the brothers, the believers, of the gospel. It's important that we be reminded of the gospel. He reminds them of the gospel that he preached to them, that they received, they believed in, and they are standing in, they are living out the gospel. They are living out the new life of the resurrection. And then he goes on to say, and by which you are being saved. That's an interesting phrase. It means that, that we are saved and we continue to be saved through the work of Jesus for us. And we're holding fast. And he says, these things are in your life. These, the good news is activated in your life unless you believed in vain, if you believed empty, if you believed without result. There's, there's no uh, connection between your belief. There's no aliveness that comes from it. It doesn't produce anything. So you can have faith that's in vain, a faith that doesn't connect, a faith that doesn't give you life, a faith that just lays there. So verse 3 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. So this is very, very important to the Apostle Paul. What I also received, and so he's sharing with them what he himself has experienced that Christ died for our sins. So that's of first importance. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And so Paul begins to give evidence of the resurrection. And the first piece of evidence that he gives is, is that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus we heard about first in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, it prophesied that the Messiah would come and would be raised again. In several places, it says to us, it predicts, it prophesies 
that Jesus, or the Messiah, would be risen from the grave. Isaiah 53, Psalms 32, over and over and over we see in the Scripture where we were told hundreds of years before Jesus came in the world that Jesus would come and he would suffer at the hands of evil men and he would die for our sins and be raised from the grave. And Jesus also taught it over and over and over. He said, tear down this temple in three days, I'll rise it back up. And so he, he was very clear, his destiny, very clear what was about to happen to him. Now, when he first, sharing, first started sharing with the disciples, they didn't quite understand, they didn't quite grasp exactly what was going to happen with Jesus. But when it was over and they began to see, they saw Jesus, they saw the results of the cross, of the burial, of the resurrection. They saw him. Then what the scripture has says, what Jesus has said, began to sort out in their minds. And so one of the pieces of evidence that we have of the resurrection of Christ is very simple. It was prophesied. It was predicted. It was announced that it would happen, and it has. And it says in verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. So pieces of evidence, they saw him. They saw him die on the cross. They knew about it. They realized it. They knew the Romans had sealed the, sealed the tomb so that there, there couldn't be any shenanigans going on with the body. There could be no conspiracies that would come about. They, they knew for sure he was there. And uh, the twelve saw him, and absolutely spectacular to consider 500 people saw him at one time, and they all spoke the same thing. Now think about it, 500 people, 500 people witnessed Jesus being alive, witnessed him resurrected from the dead. Now, that's quite substantial. Now, you... You could explain away pretty easy the testimony of Peter, right? One guy. You, you could even, you could explain away the testimony of the twelve. I mean, after all, they followed this guy for three years. They, they, their, their life was on the line with him. They believed in him. They were just saturated with him. And, and so I can see that the twelve would go, man, you know, maybe deceived, People would say, misguided, not sure, but maybe to protect their reputation, to protect the reputation of Jesus. If Jesus had not resurrected from the dead, they might concoct a story. They might come up with, with you know, some, some fantasy thoughts that they could kind of share to kind of relieve them. What they would experience is the embarrassment that Jesus is still in the grave. Because if Jesus was still in the grave, it would be an embarrassment for these guys because they left everything to follow him. But 500 people? I mean, if 500 people stand on the corner and see a car wreck, they're, they're pretty much going to say, these two cars collided. Did that really happen? Yeah, it happened. Did you see it all? Yeah, I was right there. I saw it. I, no question about it. I mean, you might be able to get one or two or three or four or ten of them to have kind of a different idea about whose fault it was. That might be an ongoing problem. But 500 people, surely you can turn one of them. Surely you can turn two of them. Surely the Romans could come together and the religious leaders could come together and, and find the one that is most likely 
to be uh, uh, suspect to a bribe because the Romans would have spent money on shutting this thing up. And so with the Jews. And, and yet 500 people saw him at one time and, and that did not become a problem for Jesus. Now, from my way of thinking, the only way that 500 people would not become a problem for Jesus is they must have seen him alive. And seeing him alive, it was, it's so extraordinary, it's so spectacular that they weren't going to be bought. They were going to tell the truth and tell a story. And so there's no evidence these 500 people, any of them turned most of whom are still alive. Now he says, Paul says, those 500 saw it one time. Now he, this is a few years after that. Paul says, and most of them are still alive. You know why he said that? In, in case you're not believing me, go believe them. Go find those 500 and talk with them. And so Paul's understanding of the resurrection, Paul's belief about the resurrection is all on the table. You probably have realized when people are hiding something, they, 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 they share a different story, they have this scheme going on, and they're trying to keep things off the table. They're trying to keep people from asking questions, right? Here's Paul going, I'm out there in the open. You can, you can come question me all you want. Go talk to those 500 people. They'll tell you. And so to me, that is quite a piece of evidence of the resurrection of the Lord. And then he says in verse 7, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born. That's, cut. That's interesting. Paul, he comes around a little later. He wasn't around as a believer at the cross. He wasn't around as a believer at the resurrection. In fact, he was just the opposite. He loathed Jesus' people, and he loathed Jesus. Matter of fact, Paul was a persecutor of people of faith and truth. That's, that's, that's Paul. I mean, Paul had legal documents that said that he could imprison, he could persecute, he could abuse people of the faith. And Paul left Jerusalem, and he's headed to Damascus to do exactly that, to arrest and, and criminalize all the believers of Jesus that he could. And he says here, last of all, as to one untimely born, and so he's talking about way after the ascension where Jesus on the Mount of Olives went into heaven, he says, he appeared also to me. Now, that'll spook you out, won't it? I mean, he says... After he ascended, he goes into heaven at the right hand of the Father. We know that he came back and he found me on the road to Damascus. I saw him. He was alive then as well. For I am the least of all apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I per persecuted the church of God. But, he says in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
and his grace toward me was not in vain. You see, Paul says that some evidence of the resurrection of Jesus, the importance of the death, the burial, the resurrection, is that here I am before you, a changed man, having been touched by the grace of God, the grace that is alive. By, but by the grace of God. Have you ever heard people said that? How you doing? But by the grace of God, you know. Uh, if, if you hear a sorry or, or a sad story about someone that goes through a difficult time, and he said, have you heard about this? Said, yeah, but honestly, but by the grace of God, there I am. You've heard people say that from time to time. That's Paul's understanding here. Paul said, man, there's no, more, there's no one more undeserving of what I have than me. That's what he's saying. I'm unworthy. I'm a scumbag. I'm a lowlife. But by the grace of God, Jesus lifted me up. And so he says, Peter, the 12, James, the 500, all the followers of Christ saw him and even me. He Now, we might be able to understand Paul is saying that that Jesus would make himself known to Peter. After all, it's Peter, but not me. I'm the lowlife. I'm the king of all lowlifes. But he even made himself present to me. He says here, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. That right there is the final piece of evidence that he shares in verses 1 through 11. Someone preaches and people believe. That's evidence of the resurrection. The Word of God is taught. The Word of God is presented. The Word of God is shared. The gospel, the good news, is spoken in the world. And... People hear this information and they believe. That's evidence that Jesus is alive. Because that is still going on all over this world. Even today, today, there are going to be people that are going to preach the gospel, the good news, the story about the risen Lord, and guess what? There are going to be people that for the very first time are going to believe that message. And after they believe that message, they are going to become God's children and the change of life is going to begin. Now, there's no change of life if he is dead. And so that three-year-old had a good question. Is Jesus going to be at church today? Well, of course, the answer is absolutely He's at church. He's at work. Jesus says, my father and I are always at work. Always at work. And here we have Paul recognizing that the gospel is preached and people believe. Look at you today. You're here today to worship the risen Lord. You have heard the good news and you have believed. You have believed. Or you are hearing the good news today and today you will believe by the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. 
Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, now if, there's about seven times here in this, these verses, 17 through 19, that Paul uses the term if. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And so obviously in this Corinthian church, in this fellowship, there were those that believed there was no resurrection of the dead. Basically, they just believed what is often believed today, more than perhaps we understand, that when someone dies, they just cease to be. They're just gone. That's all there is to it. What happens after you die? Nothing. Nothing. There's no resurrection. I mean, you live a life here, do the best you can, be as good as you can, but when you die, that's it. There are people in this Corinthian church, when this Corinthian church had all kinds of problems, this just happened to be one of them. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And Paul says to them, I'm having a lot of trouble with your belief set because I personally saw him. I saw him on that road to Damascus. He blinded me. He spoke to me. I saw him with my very own eyes and I heard him with my very own ears. And I became a new person. And I can't explain the change in my life in any other way than Christ came into me. And so there you have that going on. And so he's going, you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. How can that be? Because if you don't believe the resurrection of the dead, then you don't believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Verse 13 says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And he's saying, And if Christ has not been raised, we have a serious problem here, folks. Man, we got an issue that we got to deal with. Look what he says about this serious problem. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Wow. For a pastor, for a preacher, for an apostle here with Paul, that's quite an indictment. What do you live for? Preach the gospel. What do you spend all your time working towards preaching the gospel? What matters to you most about your life, Lee? Yeah, preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, teaching the truth, building people up in faith. I mean, it's my whole being. Now, if Christ is not risen, then what I've dedicated my life to and what I've forced my wife into uh, is in vain. No, it's empty. There's no result to it. There's nothing significant about it if Christ is not risen from the grave. And so Paul says, if Christ hadn't been raised from the grave, then our preaching is in vain, empty. And your faith is in vain. How horrible that would be if our faith is in vain. How horrible it would be if it, it, it just has no meaning to it. I mean, basically, if Christ has not risen from the grave, then we're just a bunch of deceived, pitiful people. There's nothing to our faith. There's nothing to this, 
the singing these songs today, other than a nice tune, the pleasant sound, if Christ isn't risen from the grave, we, we should have sang, you know, Hair of the Dog. It would have been better. You know, we could have sang some sp speed wagon stuff, perhaps, for some of us here today. You know? We could, get, we could get Led Zeppelin going in here. Cashmere. Roll it out. Let's go. Get bigger speakers. Let's wear it out. And then towards the end, we'll get some Dwight Yoakam going. She sang Dixie. He sang Dixie. If Lady died. I, that's not politically correct anymore, by the way. You know that? That song's about to go. So you better listen to it while you can. Because it's going. Sorry, I digress. But our faith is in vain as Christ hadn't risen from the grave. And all that we're doing is empty. So that's substantial, isn't it? Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. Now that's a serious indictment. We are misrepresenting God. In our representing God, what are we saying? There's hope. There's forgiveness. There's life. There's heaven. There's joy. There's opportunity. Things are, there's better things are coming. We've been teaching that. We believe in that. We believe there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if Jesus has risen from the grave, then we're misrepresenting that. We're absolutely just deceiving people. And, and we're the worst of society if that is the case. We're misrepresenting God. We are telling people about a myth, a fairy tale, a fantasy is what we're doing. Misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So it's a serious issue. And he says in verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile, he mentions it again, and you are still in your sins. If Christ is not risen from the grave, Corinthian people, listen up. Your faith is futile, not worth trying. That's what futile means, a little bit different than vain. Futile, not worth trying, not worth the energy given to try to muster up some faith to believe in this one because it has no merit to it. And, of worst of all, you are still in your sins. If Jesus hasn't risen from the grave. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ Jesus have perished. Oh my. If Jesus isn't risen from the grave, then, man, I'm a scum. I am that filth on the top of water, that scum. I, I am that part of life that sours the whole pond. Scum. Terrible, nasty, because I have looked at people in the eye and said, your loved one knew the Lord. Your loved one is in the presence of God. Your loved one is in the place of no more tears, no more anguish, no more suffering, no more death. You have reason to get up every single day because of heaven, because of eternal life, because of eternal bliss with the presence of the Lord. If Jesus has not risen from the grave, then I'm worse than a lying politician or a lying salesman because I've done that over and over and over and over. How horrible I am if Jesus is not alive. 
I, I think about that from time to time. I mean, I, I know people can't jump in your mind. Your heart says, does that guy really believe in this mess? I'm telling you, a funeral or a, a ICU room or a waiting room in a hospital or some kind of time where, where life is, is brief, where life is running out. Let me tell you something. You believe because there's no way, even as callous as I've been in my life from time to time, as cold as I've been, to be able to look at people time after time after time again and speak hope into their life if indeed I didn't believe there was hope. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't sell a mar marble that's not round and tell them it's round. I, I can't, I wouldn't be a good salesman if I couldn't probably sell things that are questionable in quality because I'd come right out and say, you ought not to buy this. I know I'm making my living from selling this marble, but this marble ain't round. And I've been seeing, I've been going down to playgrounds all across the country and I've watched kids and all the kids that are using this marble, they're losing. Now, nobody even plays marbles anymore, do they? But that's in my mind. I've been thinking about my marble game. We used to gamble with marbles, cat eye, steely. Remember those great days where you'd make a track and you'd have games in it and get water and make it all just perfect? And, and the deal was to win everybody's marbles and send them home crying to their mother because that's who you are. <laughs> I live for marbles. I, I couldn't sell an imperfect marble. I, I can't. I, I mean, I, it, it, you know, I can lie good because I can talk. But when I do lie, I really feel bad. I, I mean, I'm, I'm torn up. I make it right quickly. Y'all, I told you a story about something. I, I kind of embellish the story a little bit. I've done that. You might have heard me say that. You know, I didn't really, you know why? Because, man, after I got through embellish the story, and I just embellish the story hoping you'd like me for a change, you know, and all those kind of things make you laugh. I like to make people laugh sometimes. But, man, I hate lying. And, and, and I see Paul in that same... I understand Paul here. I mean, can you imagine the turmoil Paul understands here if he says that not only are people sinners' sins, not only are we the worst of life, not only are we misrepresenting God, but those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And I've been telling you all along that they're going to be okay. You're going to see your mom and dad again. You're going to see your brother or sister again. In faith, we're going to have a reunion in heaven. The Bible tells us that. We can celebrate that. But if Christ hasn't risen from the grave, it's all just wasted hope. It's a fantasy. It's a fairy tale. It's not true if Christ hadn't risen from the grave. Man. And verse 19, he says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, listen to this, we are of all people most to be pitied. <laughs> it, is, it pretty much comes down to our faith is legit if Jesus is alive. If Jesus is dead, our faith is legit. And we are the most of all people in the world to be pitied. Now think about what that means. 
You think about people that have had trial after trial after trial. They're broken. They're, in, they're hopeless. They're without any hope whatsoever. They're in complete despair, absolutely broken, nothing to offer. They don't have good economy. They don't have good health. They don't have good drinking water. They're living in squalor. It's the best they've got. And when we who have more, we look at that and go, oh, there's a great feeling of angst of anguish, of sympathy for those folks. And, and, and we looked down and said, they are the most pitiful people of all people on the world. They've got it so bad. And if Jesus is not alive, that's us. That's us. We are of all people most to be pitied if Christ is alive. We have nothing to offer if Christ is not alive. Look at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen. So you take all the things that Paul has said, if Christ is not raised, then this is what's going on. You know, we are hopeless. We are the worst of all people. We are the most we pitied. Uh, we are still in our sins. We, 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 we are misrepresenting God. And all these things He's laid out, our preaching is in vain. Our faith is empty, in vain. But since Christ rose from the grave and Christ is alive, then preaching is one of the greatest things there is in the world. Faith works. Faith is not empty. Faith is not vain. Faith works. There are results to faith. When you believe that Jesus is alive, you enter into possibility. You enter into life beyond yourself. You begin to experience supernatural life. You have more joy if you just yield to it than you could ever hold on to. More love than you can contain. I mean, you have grace and that grace transcends everything and it just changes you from deep down to your, to your ingrown toenails all the way up to the top of tip of your hair if you've got it up there. I mean, it just is it's revolutionary. It's revitalizing. It's regeneration at its best. It maximizes it. If Christ is alive, faith works. It absolutely works. We're not misresenting God. If Christ is raised, we are no longer in our sins. Oh, man. And so you can take all these things He said, if Christ didn't die, this is the way it is, and flip it over and says, since Christ is alive, none of these things are true. Just the opposite is true. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's alive. He's alive. Today is April the 4th, 2021, isn't it? My, you hear that date, you go, my, how times have sped on, gotten fast, won't stop, moving forward. Let me ask you a question. So last year, Easter was in April 2020. What a great year 2020 was. I just love 2020. On my tombstone, I'm gonna say, I have says, he loved 2020. And then under, not, you know, not. We ought to look at 
the resurrection in our personal experience with it and ask ourselves this question. Are we more alive than we were this time last year? Are we representing the risen Christ better than we did this time last year? Has the last year, have we yielded, have we surrendered to the Holy Spirit in such a way that if people were able to truly observe us and analyze us, that we absolutely are more alive in Christ than we were this time last year? Well, I don't know how you're going to answer that. We're all going to be at different places, probably very subjective with that, not quite sure. And so, however it's been for you the last year, do yourself a favor. Because He's alive, and because by the grace of God we are, just take all that from Easter last year until Easter today, and, and just wipe it away. And start over today. And say, the next 365 days, or however many days it are until Easter comes again, don't get caught in the math that I know nothing about and lose the sight of what I'm about to say, okay? Well, I, he didn't get the math right again. Oh, well, that's not what I'm talking Forget the math. That between Easter 2021 and Easter 2022, Everyone that has come across your paths leaves with one understanding of you. That cat believes Jesus is alive. You can see it. You can see it in them because Christ is alive. Now, if Christ is alive, then let's go. Let's get on with it. Let's live for it. Let's just be totally surrendered to Him. If he's dead, eh, do whatever you're going to do. But if he's alive, live for him, radiating, be spectacular for Christ this new year. Easter to Easter, rejoicing in the risen Lord, because, in fact, the Scripture says, Christ was raised and is alive today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for a good response through your Spirit. We pray for those today, Lord, that need to receive you as Lord and Savior today. They've heard the truth about you, Lord. They've listened to some Scripture, Father. The, your Spirit has worked. May they believe today and trust. May they follow through with being baptized, Lord. May they follow through with living for you the rest of their life. Father, for many of us today, Lord, it's been a very difficult year. And perhaps we haven't quite represented you well, Father, with all the things that's been going on. And may we start afresh anew. Thank you for your grace that gives us the opportunity to start all over again. May we live for you, Lord, because you are alive. And may everyone that crosses paths with us, may they feel that, know that, experience that you are indeed the risen Lord in which we celebrate today. We rejoice in you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.